Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Talk about being on the X. Hey guys, Todd Helms here with another episode of the Wingman Podcast. And today I have Mr. Baker Levitt on with me. And Baker, you are the hunting community manager for Black Rifle Coffee and all around international man of mystery here yeah. uh <laughs> we've you and i've had the pleasure to spend some time together and uh it's been fun and i'm thank you for jumping on the podcast with with me today absolutely man it's always a pleasure i always like chatting with you guys so what have you been up to just trying to keep my head above water black rifle just went public uh, yeah. a couple weeks ago which this shirt is from the ringing of the bell in the New York Stock Exchange. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, just not a lot of changes taking place, like really positive changes at Black Rifle with, in regards to the outdoor space. Um, you know, we just, the, there's no excuse for us not to accomplish the mission now. You know, we, there's no, I mean, I don't know what I can and can't say because we're publicly traded, but like, you know, when you start a company, with nothing and as you progress through it like the barrier the number one probably barrier to entry to most things is monetary reasoning you know like you can't afford it you know it's you can't hire we need to hire these people but oh we got to you know bootstrap everything and you know you got people wearing five different hats and now we're publicly traded and we don't really need to wear five hats that being said no one you know in the progression of business you know when you're doing when you're responsible for five different, 10 different things, people don't like to give up their real estate. You know what I mean? Like, this is mine. I own it. They take ownership in it. So now we're, you know, no excuse. I think we're 814 employees, something absurd like that. So no excuses now to accomplish the mission. Dude, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, we were following all that pretty closely, getting ready for the Western Hunt Expo and everything when it, when it all happened. And, yeah. uh, well, you know, it's interesting, like, I, I challenge anybody to listening to tell me the last time a conservative com company went public. Openly, outwardly, consumer-facing conservative company went public. I can't think of anything. Yeah, that's a good point. I, 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 nothing comes off, comes off the top of my head. Yeah, no, who knows? Yeah, I can't think of anything. So it was a win for everybody. Um, awesome company, awesome mission, awesome people, like, just it was surreal, like standing there on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange and Evan's ringing the bell and you're just like, man. So you were there. Absolutely. Uh, so cool. cool. I have ne I've color. never done that. I've never been there and I've always thought it would be cool to go and check it out. So most people have not. That's very rare. So Tom Davin, who's, you know, recon officer, Duke undergrad, Harvard MBA, worked at Pepsi and Taco Bell and was the CEO of 511 and work for all these different major companies. And he's got a career in investment banking and stuff like that going back probably 40 years. He's never done it. Wow. And express like he worked for a ton of companies, a ton of brands, um, big companies, and he's never been a part of it. Steve Taslett, same thing, you know, invests and in, works with companies, billions of dollars, never done it first time. Wow. Evan did it. Evan did it at the age of 44 for the first time. At eight years after getting into business, left the military. Eight years later, he's ringing the bell on the floor of New York Stock Exchange. That's that's incredible. That's a crazy. That's a crazy story. 2014, he had 1,800 bucks. 
started the company. Look at it now. 2.5 billion. Wow. Well, wow. I just looked down and said, what's next? What's next, Evan? So no, it, it, it's, it's been a fascinating journey. Like, I mean, you know, like Black Rifle is the first company that I've worked for full time that I didn't help start or own part of. And I've always said, if I'm the best thing we got, we're screwed. You know, and I truly believe that. Like, you know, I'd rather be surrounded by people better than me at everything than, right. you know. Um, and uh, it's just been awesome, you know, to be a part of it. Because for four years, I was a consultant and then full-time for two years, the last two years, full-time employee. You just see and watch things and you get to, instead of being the person making all the super important decisions, you get to watch how different people make it make these super important decisions. And like, there's been times when Evan's done stuff. I'm like, man, what in the hell is he doing? Like what? That doesn't make any sense. Two years later, you're like, Oh, I got it. Okay. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. 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 I knew that. No. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Ike, Ike does similar things to us. Man, What is is he? Is he drunk today? You know, and then and then you said it six months to two years later, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. huh? yeah, yeah, I'm with you. OK, you, learn, you know, it's just it's been um the whole thing. It's just been awesome, man. Super exciting. Um, my role and responsibilities are about to expand pretty drastically. So I've been told. Um, so, you know, sky's the limit, man. We can, well, do what anything, is- we can accomplish anything. What does the hunting community manager for Black Rifle Coffee do? I mean, what does your day-to-day look like? Because I know folks listening to this, especially younger guys, are going to be like, dude, I want to get in the industry. I want to do... On the phone all day. Really? Talking to companies, talking to people, talking to brands, telling people no, telling (laughs) people yes. Um, You do, you you tell a lot of people no, like, um, and you got to figure out a way to do it without insulting anybody. Just because, and, you know, I, I tell people like, hey, man, like, it's not just because it's a no today doesn't mean it's going to be a no in three months or six months. And just because it's a really bad idea today doesn't mean it's going to be a bad idea in a year from now. And then some people, you, you know, I just, I don't have a filter Well, I have some filter, but like there are certain people that have horrible, terrible ideas that will be horrible, terrible ideas until the day that they die. And they need to know that those are bad ideas. And like, you try to talk them into maybe not doing something because it's going to eat up all their money or burn money in time, you know, or, so um, talk to companies, strategic partners, influencers that we work with, um, brands we work with, events we're doing, events we're coordinating, all kinds of stuff. I mean, like it's, it's an, it's a never, there's, it's like owning a farm. There's always something to do. Always, always. There's always something to do. Um, managing people. That's another thing. You know, um, there are five people underneath me on my team managing them responsibilities, making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, finding stuff for people to do. Um, just staying busy, man, keeping the ball moving. Right. Right. Dancing the ball down the field. Sometimes it's, you know, a one yard run, sometimes tackle for a loss. And then sometimes it's a, you know, 45 yard pass. So different level. Right. Right. Well, and that's something that's interesting because I don't think a lot of folks, when they think of black rifle coffee right out of the gate, obviously they're they're thinking coffee, you know, I would, Mm -hmm. I was stoked last night. Our local grocery store finally has the the ready to drink stuff. And, you know, everything from the three hundreds down to the down to the smaller can. Yeah, you got the three hundreds. 
we do have the 300. Yeah, there were some supply chain issues with those for a bit, for a minute. Yeah, yeah, and 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 our Maverick gas stations, which are kind of endemic to U- Utah and parts of Wyoming, a mm-hmm. um, little bit in Montana. Those those are carrying those have the 300s now too. So it's like, man, I don't have to order this stuff. I can just get it. I can just run down to the store and grab one. Mm-hmm. And I was funny. I was standing in line getting some stuff for supper last night and. I was like, I wonder what's in this case behind me. And I just turned and looked, and it was just this wall of black rifle ready to drink cans. And I'm like, that is awesome. You know, I put it on the wingman story and and uh oh, I think I reclaimed it on the outdoors. I think you did. I think you did. Which is cool. I appreciate that. But you know, other than that, when people when people think hear black rifle coffee, they think, you know, coffee. They think these these funny YouTube videos, they think all these different things, but I don't necessarily think that they automatically connect it with hunting, with, with the hunting space. So yes. that's, it's a new vertical for us. It's, right. um, it's not one of our original verticals. So we maxed out, you know, first responder, firearms, 2A, sure. LA, mill veteran, all that stuff. We maxed all that stuff out. And then we're looking for other verticals to go into and hunting is, and fishing are huge opportunities. Well, and they, and they line up well. You know, yeah. So it it makes sense. Yeah. So this year, um, so far this year, we have signed corporate sponsorship deals with Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, signed one with the Wild Sheep Foundation, um, one with the National Deer Association, uh, Pope and Young Club, and there is one more. I'm not. NWTF. NWTF. I was just at the convention last weekend, and the NWTF. That's why we're on the podcast talking about the wings, you know. We're um, getting there. Yeah, we're, we're getting to the turkey yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then, I, you know, I went to Sheep Show this year for the first time. And How was that? Unbelievable. Truly impressive. Some of the best conversations I've ever had in my life about hunting took place at the Sheep, fo- sheep Show. Like, there's just truly some interesting and remarkable people there and they have really interesting stories. Right. Um, like just awesome, awesome stuff, man. You know, there's no riffraff there, you know, no offense to anybody that's listening, but you know, you get all the riffraff, you can handle it, all the other conventions. And it was just, this was, and everyone there is there for a reason. Like there's, it's not, it's, you know, sheep hunting is super expensive and then, you know, drawing is damn near impossible. And it's, it's super serious people there that are for there for the right reasons. And that reason is conservation and the growth of wild sheep population. Right. So I thought it was great, man. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was awesome. I'm actually putting together our, our annual sheep issue for Eastman's hunting journals right now. And the stories that I get for that journal, for that issue of the journal is they're usually pretty next level. You know, because yeah. like you said, those those the folks that are doing that for the most part are serious. The photo quality is usually some of the best that I get to deal with all year long. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I have a difficult time narrowing it all down. And this year, thanks to thanks to Tag Hub, we have an outlet where I can actually use those full length stories and a ton of pictures. Because on when it's electronic, it's digital. I'm not limited by print space. And so that's the other side of the job. I know this is the wingman podcast. I didn't want, I want to get too far off in the weeds, but yeah, I can totally connect with what you're saying. I, and I haven't been to that sheep show, but I hear stories like that. I hear accounts like that all the time. And I dovetail that in with 
what I get from those folks. And it's, yeah, it's the, the content is outstanding. So I can only imagine what the face-to-face interaction would be like. Yeah, it's cool. It, it's a lot of fun. I, had a, I really did enjoy myself. And then I was at NWTF this past weekend. We're a corporate sponsor of the National Wild Turkey Federation, uh, which I personally think is, from a conservation standpoint, what they've accomplished. I think they've accomplished more than any other organ. All other all other organizations combined don't touch what NWTF has accomplished. So I might get. I'm. I'm. I'm not. I might not be 100 right on this, but I'm going to be close. I, I don't. <clears throat> there might have been like huntable populations of turkeys in like five or six, seven, eight states in the 70s or 80s, and now right. there's huntable populations in all uh, lower 48, including Hawaii and plus Hawaii. Yep. Uh, every state but Alaska. Um, what they've done and what they've accomplished is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, it's turkey hunting is one of my favorite things in the world to do um i, I know i catch a lot of gruff from my western <laughs> so do i don't worry about it drives me batshit crazy <laughs> i'm like you know it's you know and the thing if you really want to piss off a bunch of western hunters tell them that that turkey hunting is similar to elk hunting elk they'll hunting. lose their mind like whoa oh my god you hear what he said hey come listen to this and it's like, let's break down what I said. Okay, so elk hunting is <clears throat> you interact with the animal. You're vocalizing, they're vocalizing back. You use sound created by you to hunt and pursue and ultimately kill an elk. It's the same thing with turkey hunting. You know, you're calling, they're answering back, you're getting them to come in. That's just how it works. It's very, it's like, it's a, Super duper poor man's version of elk hunting, you know, like it's great. I love it. And it's available, like you said, in literally 49 out of the 50 states. Yep. Guy, and almost any, if they're like whitetails in that, in that respect, in that everybody has turkeys in their, I won't say in their backyard, but available to them for the most part. Well, that's one of the things that makes it super frustrating is, uh, Whenever I'm turkey hunting, like I always have friends for some reason that send me urban pictures of urban turkeys. Like we, when I was at Killcliffe, there was this uh, gal named Athena who lived in Framington, Massachusetts. And her boyfriend, she would be attacked by turkeys in his front yard when she'd go see him. And I remember I was in Nebraska getting my butt kicked because uh, we got sold a bill of goods by this outfitter. And, um, <clears throat> well, not by the outfitter, but by the landowner's son, who happened to be a district attorney in Atlanta, who was a pathological liar, which was terrifying to find out that you have district attorneys that are not honest. Um, but I remember, like, I was super, I was, like, I was, I wasn't frustrated. I was pissed, stomping around. And I get this tur- this picture of a turkey full strut right next to, like, so this dude's house, he had, here's his door. And then he had a glass slit here and a glass slit here on either side of the door and there was a turkey in full strut looking at his reflection in the glass and i was just like how did they i don't like damn it they're like this is easy what what, why are you struggling so hard yeah and then like she would she sent another photo of like 30 in his front yard that would like wait to try to attack her when she tried to go in the house like just crazy stuff so um yeah i i that's i love turkey hunting i've hunted turkeys all over the country i cannot wait for this season last year was the least i've ever turkey hunted in the past 10 years 
I killed one, I killed a Rio in Texas. Um, and I did that, was that on your, on, you guys put together a, you guys put together an event, if I remember correctly with black rifle coffee. Yeah. So the veteran adaptive athlete shoot that is at our ranch in, out in Leon Springs. No, that's not where I killed that bird. I killed okay. that bird at uh, Camp, Camp Bailey. Camp is the chairman of the board of Cryptech. Or he's one of the three partners for ownership of Cryptech. Um, and uh, it was his, his ranch in Uvalde. And so we hunted. It was me, Michael Shea, and then Dr. Michael Chamberlain, who you've spoken to. We took him. Solid dude. He's a PhD in wildlife biology with a focus on wild turkeys. And, like, you talk to him and you just realize that you don't know anything. I've killed a truckload of turkeys, man. I mean, dude, I'm talking about a truckload of them, like a couple truckloads. And I thought I knew my stuff until I met him and I realized I know nothing. I know nothing. So <laughs> it's nuts, dude. But I've got some cool opportunities this year. Like um, I have an opportunity for an Osceola in South, true Osceola, which would, that'd be my slam. Okay. Um, and then I've got um, Georgia texas i got an opportunity in kansas i'm not doing all these um oregon which is my favorite place in the country to turkey hunt really south oregon roseburg my buddy david powell owns crossfit crossfit roseburg that turkey's there dude unbelievable it's amazing lots of birds absolutely beautiful it's the most beautiful it's spring it's not raining it's just super green and hilly and absolutely next level what 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 birds are you shooting there in Oregon? Are you, are you looking at Miriams or Easterns or yeah. what are they? They're reals, so they must transplant a reals up there. Well, funny you mentioned that. So if you you know the Davis Mountains of West Texas, right? I know of them. Yeah, you've heard of it, right? Right. So the the, the Davis Mountains of West Texas has like epic elk, like phenomenal, like truly truly remarkable Roosevelt elk. Those elk were transplanted. Dude, they're they're hammers. They're but it's all private land, and they're, sure. they're 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 non-native species, so they're viewed as an invasive species. You don't have to have a license for them, but you got to have access, which is there's no price you can put on it. And they're rosies. And if you go up to Oregon and look at all those Rios, they traded like 16 Roosevelt elk for 25 Rio turkeys, and they did it for like 25 or 30 years every year relocated oh my gosh yeah pretty cool that's wild it is it's truly wild yeah it's awesome it 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 floors me stories like that just are incredible to me how animals get where you know they don't belong or they didn't exist naturally and they get there i I remember going to and then they thrive and they thrive and they thrive Whitetails in whitetails in Finland and in other Scandinavian countries. Whitetails, yeah, they're loaded with them because a lot of those a lot of those folks transplanted. You know, they they, they sent whitetails over to their home countries. Like here, you might enjoy these things. So that's crazy. Uh, Roosevelt's in Texas and Rio. And if and you Florida. look at like Georgia versus Alabama deer, there's a. Um, I think Georgia has a Wisconsin strain, and I think Alabama has an Ohio strain. Um, something like that. Somebody might want to fact check that, but it's, sure. I one of them was, I'm pretty sure Georgia's Wisconsin. Um, and if you literally look at the state lines, 
the rut in Georgia is in early December, and the rut in Alabama is the last week of January, the first week of February, every year. And it wow. is literally an imaginary line. It's that it's it's crazy. That's wild. Yeah, and then there's like, dude, there's like, there's um, like free range gimsbuck in Texas and like Arizona, New Mexico. And then they have some where it's like there's an ibex hunt, you know, where they were introduced and now they're like free ranging their scimitars and stuff. It's yeah. Animals are like animals are similar to people. In that if you look at so you look at like South Dakota, North Dakota, you're like, how did anyone in the world settle these places? <laughs> like, you know what I mean, like who who would choose to live here? Like this is careful, crazy. man. Wyoming is not much different. <laughs> People, people migrate along lines of latitude. Right. So if you take a pen and draw a straight line across South Dakota, that's where everyone came from. It's pretty remarkable. So as long as you do the same with animals, for the most part, generally speaking, um, it works out just as well. So like if you look at like Texas and stuff, like the Axis and the Black Bucks and all that stuff, they all came from India. Right. Now, what's super interesting about Black Bucks is that they poop in the same spot every day. Hmm. There's, you'll see this massive pile of like black buck pellets. Yeah, I've never heard, I never heard of that. Every day, same spot. So anyway, so yeah, I was in Texas. Got a bird in Texas last year. I got an opportunity to hunt a few states this year. Um, I'll probably narrow it down to in just uh, Georgia for sure at our place. I'm going to get one bird. And then I'll do a turkey hunt in Texas. Cool. As well. I just, I like hunting in Texas. It's fun. It's, I don't know, it's a lot of fun. Like Melissa and I spent um, the week between Christmas and New Year's um, hunting at Camp's Ranch in Uvalde, and it was a lot of fun. What a blast. She got a really nice tall time uh, Texas Hill Country buck, like really tall, long time. Not a lot of mass, but long, long times. Sure. And, you know, we had, we had the incident, which was uh, we missed an axis. She's looking at me, smiling and shaking her head, but so Melissa's shot, I don't know, probably 10 deer, 10 deer, two bucks in the past two years. And she's never made anything less than like a, a perfect shot. Like if 10 is a perfect shot, she the worst shot she's ever made is a nine. Sure. And I'm not just saying that. Um, and, you know, she's also never been emotionally reactive to any animal that she's seen or shot. And this, these, we're sitting there first afternoon and these two whopper whopper axis bucks walk out i mean whoppers full velvet just hammers and she goes oh my god i've never i've never seen her get i've never seen her in, in uh an excitement level out of her that would impact her physical abilities which was cool to see. It sucked that she missed, but the beauty of that is you don't learn shit until you start failing in the hunting world. Uh, that's it. Yeah, no I mean, kidding. Not just hunting. Think about all the things you've missed and errors you made that you've never ever made again. So well, yeah, I, I literally lay awake at night thinking about that sometimes. Oh, all the time. Still to this day, stuff from like 20 years ago. Um yeah. But it's interesting, um, she's only known success in the field with me, like, and she's never, 
experience failure. And she still talks about the axis. Like she still mentions it, you know, you know, it'll come up and, you know, so it was cool, but it was a lot of driving. We, we drove, we said, we said, we did there and back was we did in four days. And that was a total of 34 hours, 35 hours. You guys live in Florida, right? We do. We yeah. Do. We had a little puppy with us. And so, but it was cool. And then we saw these two massive hogs. And then I had a mistake where I was, we were looking for Audad. And I, and there was a spot where I knew they would be. And normally I would, you know, park the side by side and ease sneak down the road and try and get the sneak on one. And like, you know, we were just kind of driving. I wasn't paying attention and I'm looking over here to my left and she's tapping my leg. She goes, I think that's what you're looking for right there. It's literally standing in the middle of the road. Oh, like a monster, dude. I'm telling you, like a monster, a monster. All that dark. God, it was awesome looking, but you know, we had a we had a good trip. It was cool. We had fun. That sounds like a ball. Yeah, Texas is definitely a place that I've always wanted to hunt. The turkey hunting in Texas is phenomenal. You well, know, the population wise, no one, nothing holds a candle to Texas, and it's not even close. Right. So Texas is, you know, Rio's. And the thing about Rio's is that Rio's are like a train on tracks and they have a very strict, very serious pattern that they follow every day. They get up, they leave the station and they have a route that they follow. And as long as you can position yourself on that route, you're fine. It's, 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 it's hard to really pull them off that route, like a, like a ways off the route. Hmm. Um, you can have some success later in the day when like the hens are bred and stuff and like but generally speaking like you'll hear farmers will be like yeah man like be at that hay bale at 9 14 and you're like well, what is this guy talking about 9 14 here they come because that's part of their their daily pattern that's interesting yeah. yeah that's interesting miriams are similar to that not i don't think to the to the extent that you're, that no. you're talking about but they are similar where they will do the same kind of the same routine. Yeah. And I have ambushed them, you know, been set up where they wanted to be and it worked out. I've had it not work out too. You know, you're set up and then all of a sudden for, for whatever reason, they did something different that day. But um, yeah, I think one of my something most, bumped something bumped them off or whatever. Yeah, it could have been, you never know. It could have been a coyote could have been, yeah. you know, you don't know what, what threw a wrench in that schedule, but mm -hmm. Probably one of my most memorable hunts was some buddies from Michigan came out when I first lived in Wyoming, and we were kind of riding the struggle bus. The birds were really hemmed up, like really, really bad, and we watched a group of toms one afternoon work their way into this little pasture, and we talking to the rancher. He's like, yeah, they do that every day. So what we do the next day, they were, my buddies were set up there, and they killed two big gobblers, exactly like what you're talking about. Didn't. Just were kind of waiting and they came in and called a little bit. They walked over to them, bang, bang. Then they were, they were good to go. But it's crazy how birds can get on a schedule and you, they don't deviate from it. So here's one thing I learned last year. super important with Chamberlain. Never shoot the dominant bird. Okay. Never. Let me tell you why. So when you have, let's say you have four gobblers. Okay. Only one of those gobblers testosterone level is high enough to, to fertilize eggs. So when you kill the dominant bird, you basically end the breeding and fertilization of those eggs. That's it's actually 
the worst thing you could, one of the worst things you could possibly do. So the, and it's always, it's, you know, you're like, God, he, this one bird came in super aggressive. There's four birds, super aggressive, gobbling, full strut the whole time, raising hell. And you just, you can't help it, but shoot him because he's normally going to be the, the one that doesn't hang up and comes right in. That's the boy and yeah. Yeah. That's the dominant bird. You don't shoot the dominant bird. So you want to shoot the submissive bird. So if you have three birds or four birds, you want to shoot the bird that's gobbling the least and is never really comes into strut. He's in half strut or three quarter strut and he eats on the way in too. Whereas that dominant bird's just the whole way in. And the submissive bird, that's the bird whose testosterone levels lowest. Huh. Yeah. And so it's hard to do, but you know, you just have to have some self-control. Like if you want, and now if you do shoot the dominant bird, what has, what has to happen is those other birds have to fight and raise one's testosterone level up high enough to where he can reproduce, or you have to hope that a, another bird with a high testosterone level comes in and is capable of fertilizing your eggs. That is interesting. Yeah, he and I, he and I, he kind of touched on that yeah. a little bit in our conversation, talking about uh, you know not all toms can actually successfully fertilize eggs. Right. He talked about that a little bit, but I we didn't get into that dominant bird conversation like you just described. But yeah, Doctor Chamberlain is he is. He's a, a wealth of knowledge. I've never met anybody that knows that, that much about turkeys. I've never met a person that knows that much about anything. He knows more about turkeys than I know about myself. <laughs> he well, here's why. He spent his lifetime studying turkeys and how they function. I've just lived my life through my body. I don't necessarily know how everything inside of my body functions, but he knows that much about turkeys. So that's one of the things I started doing this year. And I think that's why my hunting season was so successful this fall was because I started studying the biology of the animals I was chasing. So if you understand what happens, how things work on the inside, figuring out how things work on the outside is actually quite easy. And a lot of people, they just, you know, they, you know, win the most important thing. But like, if you understand the biology of the animal that you're chasing, getting on them and finding them is a little bit easier. And I, I, anyone listening to this podcast, I highly recommend giving that a shot and just seeing how it goes. Like, you know, Anytime you understand more about your, your, what, you, uh, what you're pursuing, you'll be more, better suited, more prepared. No, I agree. I agree completely. I'm actually going through my podcast list to find that episode so folks can go find it. Um, yeah, do yourself a service and, or do yourself a favor and listen to his podcast. It's truly amazing. Yeah, it's episode number 24 of our podcast that Dr. Mike Chamberlain was on. And we had some pretty aha moments. The one of the things for me that he talked about was why states are moving turkey seasons later into the spring instead of early. Um, we always we always joke for years that after the first week of turkey season here in Wyoming, you might as well not use a not use a male got a male turkey decoy, like a Jake decoy or a full yeah. strut decoy, because they they'll literally turn and walk away from it. They don't want anything to do with confrontation. And I, I always attribute, oh, they're just, you know, they're, they're wussy birds or whatever. And he actually explained the process that was happening, the biology that you're yeah. talking about. He's like, those birds are 100% in breeding mode. At the, after that first, about the middle of April, by then, their dominance hierarchy, they've got it figured out. Their pecking order is dialed. When those seasons open around April 1st or early spring in our, ne in our neck of the woods, those birds are still, they're still flocked up and they're still trying right. to establish that pecking order. So any chance they can get to assert dominance on a stranger, 
they jump on it. And that's why you see these groups of two-year-old birds just attacking full strut decoys or Jake decoys or whatever it might be. And I've experienced that a couple of times. But what I've experienced more is setting up that strutter decoy or that Jake decoy, and they shy away from it later later in the season. And he explained to me on that on, on episode 24 or 26, not yeah, episode 24, because they're focused on breeding. You know, they don't they don't want to fight. They've established their hierarchy and a strange bird. It's like the juice isn't worth the squeeze at that point for the bird. You know, they're not going to, they're not going to go in and take a chance of getting hurt, injured, or lose their hands. They're just going to no confrontation whatsoever. And that was really interesting to me. And it explained a lot and it informed my turkey hunting. And I ended up leaving the Jake decoy at home. Yeah. I don't whole season last year. I don't, I don't use a lot of decoys anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I just, I, 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 when I first started 10 years ago, like I used them religiously. I mean, I'd have a spread, <laughs> and, um, I'd have a breeding pair. I'd have a Jake, I'd have a you know, hen, lone hen. And then I realized that, you know, they know within 10 feet of where that sound came from. Yep. Like that's how accurate their hearing is. Like they literally know within 10 feet and, you know, everyone, TV and YouTube glorify the use of decoys and watching them attack a decoy and all that stuff, but it's just not necessary. You know? Well, and I, and I found like the bird I killed last year, I had a decoy, I had a hen decoy and he never saw the decoy. It was one of those situations where he gobbled one time on private property. I was on a little piece of public and worked him for over an hour and he never gobbled again. And I kind of thought, you know, he, he might be sneaking in here and sure enough, head pops up. He is right in, he's 20 yards from me. He never knew the decoy was there, but he was pinpointed right on me. And, you know, I'd been kind of scratching in the leaves a little bit and making some soft purrs and yelps. And he never, he only gobbled one time and that was it. And all of a sudden there he is. And it was like, he turned, walked behind a big tree, was like, turn the camera on, get the gun up. You know, people are going to watch that, that video drops this weekend, that hunt does, and people going to be like, man, you jerked that gun up. And it was like, it's because the bird went behind a tree. He couldn't see me. I and that was the only chance I had. And I it, it happened quick, you know. I don't ever sit with a gun on my knee already. The gun, gun always, in, it's always sitting in my lap. Yep. Um, and I don't, I just grab it and throw it up really fast. I, like, there's people that'll sit there with their knees up and their gun resting on their knee. I don't. I think I'm fast enough. I can just snatch it up. I've never had any problems with it. I haven't either. And normally, if, if especially if you're running decoys, if that bird gets in that close, you got time. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if your decoys are 20 or 25 yards out, you just pull the gun up and shoot. They're not going to get away from you. In, in well, they'll, that they'll, they'll freeze and look like, what the heck was that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, that, I, think shoot, I think hunting turkeys <clears> – <throat> with a bow should be illegal. Turkeys are meant to be shot with shotguns. I'm joking when I say that, but shoot him in the head with a shotgun. I preach this. I preach this to Dan Picard all the time. Mr. You know, Hawkeye here in the office, but, and, and, and granted, I, I, I've killed turkeys with a bow. I have to, and I've gone back to the shotgun just because it's, it's kind of like, nah, I've also seen a lot of, of birds wounded with a bow and I'm going to catch flack for this. We, you and I are going to get some hate for this because there's guys that are like, bow, 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 bow. And you can shoot a turkey. You have like more opportunity at shot angles. Like you can't shoot a turkey with a shotgun that's facing away from you all strutted out. But you can with a bow. You can with a bow. But, <laughs> but I've I, seen so many birds wounded. I've seen more birds wounded with a bow than I have not wounded with a bow. Not than killed. 
I've seen more wounded than killed. Interesting. And I mean, I'm talking about legit accomplished hunters. And like some, there's someone be like, oh, you just don't know where to shoot them. No, no, that's not it at all. Like the biology of a turkey, like their lungs. So our lungs, the lungs of a human or, or a deer or a bear or an elk or whatever are voluminous. They're 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 like this, okay, and they sit here. A turkey's lungs are basically like this. It's just like a little strip that's right inside the ribs, like just right in that cavity. It's a very small, tiny, tiny little little thing, and it, it kind of molds to the ribs right inside, and it just. <clears throat> there's it, like oh cool you shot a turkey with a bow congratulations how far was he 20 yards oh okay what'd you do i shot him at 20 yards with a shotgun you know what i mean like it's not like the, the using a bow increases the likelihood of a bird getting away in in the, your shotguns you're not shooting them further away like i shoot everything inside 20 yards or in you know same thing with a bow the range is the same it's just a likely and i just think they're meant to be have their heads shot yeah I like yeah and and i and I'm with you on that. I agree with you on that. And like I said, that's the beautiful thing about living in the United States where we can agree to disagree, you know, and, and the bow guys are like, no, 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 no. And that's fine. If your thing's shooting turkeys with a bow, good for you. I hope, my hope is that you're proficient enough and good enough and selective enough with your shots that you aren't one of those guys out there wounding birds. Mm -hmm. I've just seen too much of it. And, and I think I killed, I think I've killed four gobblers with a bow and the fourth one or the, the fourth one, I almost didn't recover. I made a marginal hit and it was close, but I made a marginal hit and that bird suffered more than I like to see. And so I, I was like, nope, killed, I'm done. I've killed two of the bow and I've been with someone, one, two, like five or six with a bow that were wounded and got away. Um, yeah. Just not my thing. Yeah, I mean, but if I, I just, I need one Osceola to get a slam and for every Osceola up to like 12, I kill, that'll be a slam. So I think I'm going to, which I don't care about slams. I really don't care. Um, I would like, I do want to get an Osceola and I definitely want a Goulds just because they're just awesome looking to me. We were literally just talking about that this morning here in the office um, before I jumped on here with you and talking about grand slams versus world slams and world slams and all that stuff. Yeah. And talking about, you know, the oscillated turkeys osceola turkeys i mean that is a bird oscillated that's that's a you shoot those things out of a tree man like that's not i don't yeah i don't i don't know as much about that but there i do know that they are they are a gorgeous bird the handful of people that i know that have killed them it was they all have said it was a fairly anticlimactic hunt it's 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 not the same genus of species it's different they don't call and they just, you shoot them out of trees and stuff. Like it's not, yeah, you just, you just walk up and drill one. It's not hard. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't speak to that. Um, but I do know that the guys that have done it, that I've talked to kind of have alluded that it wasn't, wasn't the hunt they were looking for, but. Now that being said, I just shoot one. <laughs> I just shoot one. Absolutely. I am 100%. Like, hey, we got a plane running down to Mexico. I'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm coming. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Speaking of Mexico, that's what we were talking about. The Goulds turkeys is guys. The Ike was kind of like, well, where would you go for that? I said, Mexico, hands down. You could do it in the U.S. Arizona. You could do it in the U.S., Arizona, New Mexico, New Mexico. But it's the numbers are pretty, pretty limited. Yeah, Jay Scott, uh, Jay Scott yep. Outdoors. He's got that that whole thing on lock, from what I understand. Like he's that's what I've heard too. That. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard too. But, I've he, heard but he does most of, most of his hunting down in Mexico. Yes. And they set you up. It's kind of like a, they don't go hold your hand from what I understand. It's like they set, they just kind of facilitate the, 
the lodging and where you're staying and where you're hunting and the rest is kind of up to you, which that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, no, I prefer that. Yeah, like I've, I've gotten some private, like I did, like I shot a mule deer last year in Curtis, Nebraska that way, like unguided, but paid for land access. Right. And the guy gave me, he's like, yeah, you know, just go glass them. You'll see him coming in and out of the corn and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, you know, that was cool. Um, and then I've done the same with a mule deer in La Mesa, Texas, and then some turkeys in Washington state. But that's my thing with the turkeys, man. If like all I need is just access. If you're like, hey, there's turkeys on this property, I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that I can find them and kill them. Like right. no doubt, none. So um, <clears throat> that does sound incredibly intriguing, especially the fact that it's in Mexico. That's right. super awesome. Yeah, I'm with you 100% on that. That would be, I need an oscillated, or oscillated. Yeah, obviously. I need an Osceola and a, and a Gould's. Probably a true Rio as well. They, they kind of mixed our turkeys here in Wyoming. There's areas that are pure Miriams, but you get over in the Black Hills and they put some Rios in there too. And so, and Rios tend to be a little more aggressive with their breeding than Miriams are. So to go to the Black Hills in Wyoming, or even South Dakota for that matter, and to take a pure white tipped bird, it's like, that is a Miriams turkey. It's it's gotten more and more rare. Um, really? A lot of them look like Rios. They have that, they have that, the kind of that creamy, tannish colored, yeah, the, the, those, those tips. And they're not, they don't have that white on them. Every place that should be white on a Miriams, a lot of those birds over there are creamy and tannish colored. And that's, it's that Rio influence that, that you're seeing. So have I killed a Rio? Yeah. But have I killed like Texas, Oklahoma, Rio? No. No, and that's yeah, I call those I call those birds copper kings down there. Like the true Rios, it's a, a copper. They look different in the sun. Like you see them when the sun hits them, you're like, mm, that's cool. But my favorite bird is a well, my favorite bird visually is the Miriam. I think they're beautiful. The white they are, they're gorgeous. And then my favorite bird audibly is the Eastern because oh, their man. gobble, their gobble is 10 Rios and 10 Miriams. <laughs> Like when a when a when an eastern gobbles on the ground, you know it, and yeah, you buddy. know where he is because he lets it rip. Versus a Rio or a Miriam, you're like, oh, that bird's 200 yards away. It's actually 40 yards away. Yes, you know? yes. So. It was funny you say that because I took a couple of years ago. My wife grew up in Iowa, but wasn't a hunter when she she was a farm girl and okay. grew up in farm country in Iowa. So since we've been married, since we met. She's been hunting for, you know, a decade now, almost. Right. Anyway, she'd hunted Miriams out here in Wyoming and loved it. Just loved it. You know, the way they gobble, the way they, the way they commit. Yeah. Just fun. You know, the country's beautiful. But a couple of years ago, she's like, I really want to shoot an Eastern. And I said, well, let's go back to Iowa and visit family and we'll go hunt turkeys. And she, it was kind of interesting because she, we, it was tough. It was the end of the season and the birds were pretty pretty wily. But she ended up killing an absolute stud of a bird. But that was exactly what she said. She's like, they gobble. It's like powerful. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, it's it's very different. You know, those Rios. It's a whole Rios, different world. Yeah, it's, it's totally different. different. It, 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 it just reverberates, you know. You can just feel that. You know, they call it, you know, spring thunder. And there's a reason they call them thunder chickens, man, because they they hammer. Those big yeah. Easterns just hammer. And now uh, Osceola's do not. Really? Not, not, not my experience. Very like, it's a very weak, meek gobble. Um, they don't, yeah. Cause like where the, where they live, like down in the swamps and stuff. And like, 
it's it's just it's a since every around every corner is an ambush spot for them. Sure. Where it, a Florida panther or an alligator, snakes, bobcats, mountain lions—not mountain lions, but Florida panthers, cougars—just right. everything there is trying to kill them. Like it's crazy. Like where they live, an eastern wouldn't fly over it, much less walk on that ground. <laughs> right. It's it's insane. Like I saw like paths where they walk through the swamp and stuff, and I was just like, no, there's no way. Sure enough, man. Like. They just, they just, it's, it's, it's weird. It's different. It's pretty fascinating stuff. I've heard that. I've heard that. I, and my brother and dad have done it. They, they both have their slams and they talk about when they, the Osceola was the last birds that they each needed and they went and did it together. And that's exactly what they talk about was how those birds, my dad's hunt, especially like bird all of a sudden was just there. Never gobbled was just all of a sudden there it was just appeared and sneaky and kind of quiet and they said it was very very different turkey hunt that and and it's interesting to see when you talk about that how birds will adapt according to their environment and habitat you know back growing up in michigan if you had a fence or a creek or anything like that between you and a big eastern bird forget it he's not they wouldn't step across a piece of string no it's like yeah, exactly. These Miriam's birds out here are so used to fences and barbed wire, they don't think twice. You could stop them with woven wire or like sheep panel or hog panel or sheep fence, but if it's just a three-strand or four-strand barbed wire fence, they'll either hop right over it or duck under it. Most of the time, they go right like through the wires. They don't think twice about that. Yeah, back east, back where I, no, they're not. That might as well be the Great Wall of China. Right, right. They're not even thinking about it. And I remember setting up on on birds the first time I saw that I set up on the first spring first spring in Wyoming I set up I didn't know there was a fence between me and this these birds on the roost set up starting to get down they're starting to talk I did a little bit of tree yelps you know just hey I'm over here and then I shut up just like I'd call an eastern bird and they flew down and I had the I had a strutter out and they flew down these birds started flying down there was a bunch of them because it was early and they went I had to see the fence and I thought oh man this isn't going to work. I didn't know that fence was there. Nope. Like they went through it like it wasn't even there. No big deal. The it was crazy. Hung up. The worst is when they get hung up and they just walk back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. And then their head turns and they're gobbling this way or they're gobbling this way. And you're like, oh, they're coming. They're coming. And then you're like, oh, they're leaving. And because the sound, the pitch is different depending on where right. the head's facing. Right. And then you're like, in the back of your head, you're like, that bird's hung up on something. Yeah, like, no, exactly. Exactly. And then all of a sudden you're like, but you don't want to believe it, but you, but then eventually you're like, damn it. And you know, there they are. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. That's what I've I thought them, was going on with that bird last year. I've had them standing on top of a dirt mound, walking back and forth. Couldn't figure out how to come down the dirt mound. Really? Oh yeah. If you've, if you've, if you can think of it, I've had it, it's happened. I've experienced it. Like, I mean, I have, I've, I've hunted turkeys a lot in a lot of places all over the country. Damnedest thing, man. They're addictive though. It's like the most addictive. Yeah. I, I look forward to them in the spring as much as I do anything else. You know, it's, oh, for sure. Well, because it's 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 just as much fun, but it's a little bit easier. It's not it's not like it's not you're not packing out a thousand pound elk. Right. <clears throat> it's not. It's just when you think about elk hunting, whether you're hunting a ranch or you're hunting, you know, you're drawing a tag or whatever public land. It can. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of moving parts. No one's like well least people I know no one's like oh yeah I'm just gonna go you know elk hunt for a day you know like I know there's places out west where people can roll out and you know do that but like right. generally speaking it, it's it's an adventure it's an odyssey 
Yeah, it's for your average person, hunt. absolutely. Turkey hunting is not. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, we're gonna go give it, a, you know, give it hell on Saturday or Sunday. You know, we're gonna, right. you know what I mean? so um, <clears throat> it, it's different. But I think it's a great tune-up. It keeps your keeps you keeps you, you you sharp, keeps you smart. Some of the stuff about turkeys that fascinates me is each eye sees independently mm-hmm. and each ear hears independently. So you got radar and sonar times four, and it's all independent. Like if you can imagine, you know, and if, if turkeys could smell, they only have four taste buds. They have no sense of smell. If turkeys could smell, we'd never see one ever. I yeah. never kill one. I've yeah, said that. Yeah. I've said that for years. I've said that for years. We used to hunt a piece of property back in Michigan that was just loaded with both turkeys and deer uh-huh. and you'd think oh man we're gonna hammer the birds we very seldom kill the turkey off that property because those because the wind would get the our scent would get the deer stirred up and the turkeys would key off that they're yeah. like oh there's a predator here and they would shut down and either leave or just do what turkeys do go silent and disappear that going back to that episode 24 with dr mike chamberlain he talks about a study where they had a had a gps like fitting on a bird on a gobbler on public land and they would give people give hunters gps units and they would track the movements of the hunters versus the movement of this gobbler and there was multiple times throughout the season where that bird was within 50 to 100 yards of a hunter and the hunt, and they get back they said did you see anything did you hear anything nope never there's no birds in there and that bird was there the entire time and they just hunker down i mean think about it turkeys a big bird but in the grand scheme of things they're not a big animal right they hunker down they can hide in anything i, I think it was closer than 50 to 100 yards i mean i think they were it might it might have been you know the story i'm talking about then yeah yeah for sure um i've had i mean i've had birds just show up like i'll never forget uh, jamie and i were hunting it in uh in camilla georgia and we had one just show up five feet behind us and just start drumming just <laughs> scared me to death like just startled me to death like and it was just i think there's a large percent of the population that can't hear turkeys drumming yeah i would agree with you yeah but it, you feel it like it's a you're like what that's when you know it just got real yeah you see saliva coming out of their beaks and stuff like, <laughs> yeah you know, you're like this bird this bird's close there's times when like you can do everything right and it won't doesn't work out and then there's times when you do nothing right and you can't you, like you just you can't beat them off like we were in oregon one time and like i had one with winter rot his beard had broken and he was with a jake and they wouldn't leave us and at one point i was holding the decoy by the tail like stabbing it at him trying to get him to leave they just wouldn't go away this wild man um but yeah i did i've had some amazing phenomenal amazing times chasing turkeys man and i can't wait it's it's right around the corner oh yeah absolutely are you picky about guns and loads what do you like oh it doesn't matter i've just, missed one tur- i've missed one turkey in my entire life with a shotgun i don't care i know oh, trusty mossbergs i mean like that's mossbergs kill more turkeys than any other shotgun on the planet yeah i just well lo- yes i do like long beard okay. i do i like winchester long beard i think it is a special shell because it it stretches out instead of expanding so instead it it, it, it stretches out lengthwise as opposed to it's 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 a dynamic it's got a long shot string to it yeah and i i mean i i I pride myself in getting them in close but we were with crispy and i were turkey hunting one time in texas and the bird was too close to him and he missed it bird took off running and i jumped out from behind the tree and it was i got it on video it was 50 yards away running away from me and i dropped it yeah 
Like it didn't flop around. Like I killed it real dead. Yeah. Straight away, 50 yards, toosh, and it just fell over. Well, the um, reason the reason I ask, it seems like everybody's got their got their pet load, you know, and you you hear a lot about that. And for me, like yeah. Yeah, I've heard great stuff about that. I've patterned some of it. I've never shot a bird with it, but I've heard a lot of guys like, man, Longbeard is that's where it's at. I know for us here and for me, it's federal premium TSS in one flavor, one flavor or another. Yeah. That those stuff two, is just brutal. I mean those are but, the two best. We actually, you know what? You know what? Jamie, I killed, I used that last year, the year before. Uh, I killed one at our farm in Americas with Jamie and I it, we shot with a 410. Um, he used that, yeah, on a TSS on a 410. If you get a chance to try it, see what no, happens. It's amazing. I haven't had a chance to use it yet. I know a bunch of guys that have. My brother in Iowa has just wicked, it's just awesome stuff. What guys are doing with those sub gauges and TSS loads are is never thought that possible yeah. you know well, back also, back in the day it was like nah i will say this when people like take super long shots on turkeys I don't, i'm not a fan of that like i'm not a fan like oh i got one it's, it works out to 70 yards you should not be shooting turkeys at 70 yards i don't care who you are what you're doing like that's just stupid like that bird's not you didn't you're not hunting that bird and calling that bird in that bird is you, you the bird's beating you so you're taking a hail mary shot at it He's not coming in. Like for me, he's got to be coming in and like, he needs to be in like coming to you, sure. not walking around 70 yards away from you. That's not, that's just, if you can't get him in closer than that, don't take that shot. My opinion. No, that's fair. That's, that's fair. I, uh, I would agree with that. I've taken some pokes on birds that afterwards it's like, eh, I wish that bird, I worked in, wish that bird had worked in tighter or had situations where the bird was actually tight mm -hmm. and I didn't have a shot. And then got a shot at longer distance and took it, you know, yeah. but I'm with you though. You know, it's like, get them in, get them close, shoot them in the face. That's, that's the fun part of turkey yeah. hunting. And then there's people that want to try and brag about it. Oh man, yeah. I got him at 80 yards. Shut up. That's don't just because you can, or you have, doesn't mean you should, you know? Sure. 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 No, I completely, I completely understand. You guys have, are you guys doing that, that uh, veterans hunt again this year? Which one? The one in Texas where, with through Black Rifle Coffee, you were doing a, a veterans. No, that's our our adaptive athlete archery shoot. Adaptive athlete archery. Yes, I thought I thought you guys had a turkey hunt where you got some folks together last year in Texas with Black Rifle. Oh, we Coffee. did that. Yeah, we did that at, at with Dr. Chamberlain. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are you doing that again this year? Mm, maybe. Okay. I haven't gotten there yet. Like I know it's close, but I need to get that sorted out. Season opens up down there in the South Zone on April the first. So okay. yeah, maybe we'll see what happens. You got a little bit of time yet. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So you're gonna do Oregon again. You're gonna do no. you're not doing Oregon no, this year? I think, no, I think this year's just gonna be Georgia and Texas. Okay. Okay. We we're, we've got so do you have, so would you living in Florida then? I mean, you do you have access to Osceola's? Mm -hmm. Do you? Yeah, last year was my first time going going after one. Um, hopefully I'll get it. I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll try to get one this year. So Florida, Georgia, and then Texas. And that's okay. going to be my turkey hunting this, this spring, unless I do like a circuitous route home from Texas where I shoot up to Kansas, but that's just, dude, that's just a lot of driving and a lot of travel, man. And that, <laughs> that you start Actually, no, I'm not doing the more, the, when I think about that, like, no, no. No, I don't like being. I for I don't like being away from home. I do okay. travel a lot, um, but I, I like being home. Like I enjoy my being with Melissa as much as possible. Like I like our life here. 
I like our lifestyle. I enjoy it. Uh, family. Like I like being around here. Sure. Um, so sure. again, she, we, she and I are going to, we're going to Africa this summer and then uh, Troy, we're taking him. He got good grades. So he's going snowboarding and uh, for his spring break, we're going out to Colorado in mid March. And so when you kind of start adding all that stuff up and then like, we've got, you know, we, we love to fish and we haven't had a chance to fish much this year. So, you know, and then there's a new farm in Georgia that we're getting a part of. And so we're going to, I got to go up there and check that out and spend time figuring that out, shooting some pigs and stuff like that. Well, it sounds like you got a full calendar, full slate anyway, but. Yeah. But see, I try not to like, and I try my best to make it not so full. You know? Yeah. But like, I just, you know, you get sick of traveling. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, it's, uh, I was going to say, if you get, if you get anywhere close to here, let me know. We can fit a turkey hunt in. All right. Deal. Somewhere. That'd be fun. But I get the whole wanting to be home and being with family thing. That's, it's, you know, and that's where good on you for, for getting, you know, Melissa involved with it, because that's one of the things that I, my wife and I enjoy doing together is turkey hunting, especially probably more than anything else. And we hunt a lot together. Like last year, big game wise, uh, we spent all of our efforts on her tags. She drew tags. I didn't. And was like, that's what we're going to do. And we had a ball. But that turkey stuff for us is that's I mean, that's where it's at. We're going to go back to Iowa this spring. And um, the family is close to Minnesota. So we made double dip and hit Minnesota as well. Mm-hmm. I got my Iowa tag. Minnesota, you can buy over the counter. And so it's like, let's try it. Yeah. So I shot my big white tail in November and then every other time I white tail hunted, which was a bunch except for twice, two mornings, she was with me. Um, and I, I shot, yeah, she shot one, two, three, four, I think she shot five white tails this year, mm-hmm. two bucks and some does. So I just, I mean, like, you know, I've shot so many does in my life. I don't, I mean, if someone's like, Hey man, you're never going to kill another one. I'd be like, all right, <laughs> who's going to do it then? You know? Right. Um, but, you know, I, she, she loves it. She has fun with it, you know, and our dog, Jesco, he's great in a deer blind. Like he just chills. I remember the first time he was a little, little puppy. I mean, like he's a little boxer. He's like this. And we're like, what are we going to do? And I was like, well, you just, I'll cover his ears and then you shoot the deer and I'll let you know when, I, when, when I'm ready. And so I picked him up and covered his ears and she drills this deer and I set him on the ground and he, I, I, I'm not kidding. He was asleep in five seconds. He went, and then just laid down on the ground and just passed out. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but he's 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 a big boy now. I don't know if I don't know if he'll be able to go on the blind with us anymore. He's too big. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, he's definitely he's big. He's a big boy. That's awesome. That's, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Now I said that family aspect, man. It's I think that's one of the things that I enjoy the most about turkey hunting, especially is I took my daughter, my my mm-hmm. oldest daughter, with me last year. She was five, and I had zero preconceived notions. Like we're gonna go. This over-the-counter tag here in Wyoming. I was like, let's just go. And it was like the last three days, the last two days of season. Mm-hmm. We heard like one gobble. You know, the birds were the birds were all dispersed, and the hunting was the ones that were left had been shot up. And it was like, okay, but we People just shy, call shot. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and we needed to we needed to be able to hike further and faster than what a five-year-old kid is capable of doing. You know, and dude, we just went out and had a good time. She played with the pot call. We went out for breakfast mid morning. I mean, what do you want to do, honey? I want to get ice cream. Okay, let's go. <laughs> it's like, right. just go have fun, you know? And so when she's big enough to shoot, she's interested in it and she wants to go and wants to go hunt turkeys. So I uh, was, I think that's huge. I think that, you know, we talk about preach all the time, you know, we got to recruit, we got to recruit. Right. 
we do, but we have to retain as well. And for sure, you got to build that. You got to stoke that fire. But completely agree. No, cool. Well, dude, I appreciate your time very much. We've been on for a little, little over an hour. It's been good conversation. Um, good luck this spring doing doing your turkey hunts and different things. Keep me keep me posted. My main thing now is arrowheads. So it's oh hard. really. Yeah, so Jamie was telling me about the new farm on the phone today. And I was like, is there running water? He's like, hell yeah. And I was like, you know, tell me more about this and this. And I was like, there's arrowheads there. And that's all I can think about. Now. I don't really care about the deer. I just care about the arrowheads. <laughs> <laughs> and it's no, dude, like, like that's, that awesome. is, that's like Melissa and I, like literally that is like our favorite thing to do. I'm not kidding. Is look for arrowheads. Like we absolutely, that's, that's like, that's the big fun. So like, you know, we'll be hunting and like, I'm sitting there staring out in the window looking at deer and like all I can think about is like, man, I just want to get out and go check this other spot or this or that, you know. Have you ever found arrowheads in turkeys? Inside of a turkey? Like in their crop? Like That's a, a thing, native- man. Turkey, turkey stones. Have you heard of this? Oh, you mean like a Native American arrowhead? Yes. Yes. I'm not talking to somebody that going back to our wounding conversation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like turkeys, obviously, you know, birds get pick up uh-huh. grit, right? Yeah. They store those in their gizzards. Right. And turkey stones are a thing because they're they'll be in there and they polish these stones and rocks that they pick up. Uh-huh. They're just polished to a high sheen like they've been in a tumbler for years, right? Yeah. Well, guys will find arrowhead, you know, in Native American arrowheads or pieces of arrowheads inside of turkeys that they have picked up. It's in their crop. It's in their crop. Yeah. You in there in that gizzard there. You got to open that up and see what's in there. But it's there's people that they when they kill their turkey that's one of the first thing they'll open that up clean that bird they open up that crop and they're looking for stones they're looking shiny stones looking for arrowheads and they'll have jars full of this stuff really i would imagine the arrowhead thing's probably fairly uncommon but you gotta figure you gotta figure if the turkey's close to the ground with that vision they see something that they think would you know they pick it up and swallow it and that's where it goes people have found them that's crazy man Yes, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I look now next time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I've been opening up every bird that I've shot over the last couple of years and looking for stones. I've got a couple of good stones, but most of the time it's just grit for the gotcha. most part. That's cool, man. Yeah. Well, listen, I appreciate you having me on. Oh, man. My pleasure. Anytime. Anytime. But, well, I got to ask one, one question before I let you go. All right. And we'll keep it turkey specific because I know you're a turkey guy. If you could only hunt one species of turkey in one place, one way, what's it going to be? And I'm, I don't have to live there. I just, that's where I hunt turkey. Just where you hunt. Yeah. Richard Cody's place in uh, Spokane, Washington. Okay. That's where, that's where I got good. That's where I'd go. That's awesome. Everybody's got something. Yeah. No knocking doors in Nebraska, probably. Oh, really? Yeah. With friends or solo? Uh, either way, it doesn't matter. You're, it's your hunt. That's a tough one, man. Spokane, Washington at Cody's place or uh, knocking doors in Nebraska. It's hard to nail it down in just one thing. And I've got so many good memories. Yeah. Roseburg, Oregon's a good one. Kansas is pretty cool. Missouri's a cool spot. Georgia's <laughs> a cool spot. Alabama's a cool spot. Texas is a cool spot. Yeah, that's that's my answer. All of them. We'll, we'll live with it. We'll live with yeah. it. Cool. All right. Buddy. Thanks, man. Have a great day. You too. Take care.